This morning's scripture reading is the 95th Psalm. Uh, I invite you to follow along in your Bibles or program or technology of your choice. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day in Massa in the desert where your fathers tested and tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger. They shall never enter my rest. This is the word of the Lord. It is absolutely true and given to us in love. Well, good morning. As many of you know, I added uh, in early July a new addition to my family, a medium golden doodle by the name of Indy. And it's been over 12 years since I had a puppy, and people always told me that there was a reason you have kids when you're young. I'm 52, and I believe there's also a reason why you have puppies when you're young. When I got Indy, one of the first things that I set out to do, which most puppy owners do, is to potty train her. So within 10 minutes of her drinking water, I would whisk her outside And lay her in the grass and say, go potty. And I'd say, go potty. And I'd say, go potty. And then when she went to potty, I would clap. Now, my neighbors were thinking I was crazy. Now, over the last eight weeks, I bet you I have said, go potty, 400 times to that dog. And I am glad to say that she is now potty trained. She can go out in the grass I actually had a picture of her going potty, but I thought that was probably too much. But she can go out and she is potty trained. Now, uh, while we are much more intelligent and sophisticated than dogs, uh, I believe there's something that we can learn from my time training Indy. And that is that repeated practices transform us from the inside out. Whether intentional or not, our weekly routines shape us emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and physically. And I believe this is one reason why God commanded us to observe the Sabbath each week. And the author of Hebrews echoes this sentiment, encouraging us not to give up the habit of meeting together. The weekly practice of corporate worship changes us. Each week as we participate in the different elements of the service, the call to worship, the confession of sin, 
the passing of the peace, the prayers of the people, listening to the preached word, partaking of the Lord's Supper, and the blessing and sending. The Holy Spirit shows up in power and transforms our hearts and minds, corporately and individually. So, over the next several weeks, we're going to walk through the different elements in our service. So that we might have and grow into a greater understanding of what each of these elements are. And we believe as we grow in the understanding of them, hopefully we'll more fully practice them. And if we more fully practice them, I believe the Lord will transform us. Now this morning we're going to begin at the beginning of our service, the call to worship. And to help us do that, we're going to look at Psalm 95. Because this psalm gives us almost a liturgy for the call to worship itself. Focusing on three different aspects of the call to worship. And those three different things that I want us to talk about this morning is who God is, who we are, and what our response should be to him. So let me pray for us. Lord, We need you to come in power this morning. I recognize in a room this size, there are some here that don't have a relationship with you at all. And yet they're curious and they're here and we're so grateful. Holy Spirit, would you work in their hearts this morning? Would you call them to yourself? Others of this this morning are tired of the, the start of the fall. I pray, Lord, that you would give us rest as we hear from your word. Others of us, our hearts are full and rejoicing. I pray that their joy would overflow to those that are sitting next to them. And most importantly, Lord, we pray that you would be glorified. Holy Spirit, come. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So the first thing that I want us to consider when we we think about the call to worship is the call to worship helps us to see who God is. Now, if you're like me and the busyness of life and all that's going on in the world, it's easy to lose sight of the truth of who God is. We see all the mass shootings and start to wonder if God is disinterested and inactive in the affairs of our world. No matter what side you fall on the climate change debate, it's easy to become fatalistic and believe that God is not committed to bring in renewal of this planet. We look at our bills each month and we look at our checking account and we struggle to believe that God wants to provide for us. We're surrounded by friends and family, but we still sometimes feel lonely and question if God is present with us. As the week rolls on, it's easy to feel overwhelmed by our circumstances and to grow cloudy in our vision of God. But then on Sunday mornings, we wake up, we make our way to church, and the call to worship helps to reorient our minds and our hearts to who God is. And we see this in verses 3 through 5 and verse 7. 
as David paints a beautiful picture of God. In verses 3 through 5, we see God's transcendence. He writes, For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. David declares that in the midst of this polyistic society, there's only one true God. God is Yahweh. And Yahweh is a great king, full of majesty and authority, who rules over the entire universe. In verses 4 through 5, David writes, In his hands are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands form the dry land. I mean, just think about the most beautiful mountains that you've ever seen. And he is greater than those. Think about the seas. He holds them in his hands. The depths of the earth. There is none who compares to our God. And there is no hurricane or or tornado that can move or shake him. He is king of kings and lord of lords. He is the creator and sustainer of all things. So though many in our world don't acknowledge him, don't believe he exists, and we hear that through the week and we begin to lose sight of him, when we come on Sunday mornings and we hear the call of worship, worship, it is calling us to remember that he is king of kings and lord of lords. He is the transcendent one. And if you look down, David doesn't just remind us of the greatness and the grandeur of God. If you look at verse 7, he also reminds us that this great transcendent God loves and knows you personally. In verse 7, David says, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. You'll notice the use of that word, our, the metaphor. The personal pronoun, that metaphor. To describe the fact that God possesses us. We are his. We belong to him. And he wants to to be an intimate relationship with us. You see, when we come on Sunday mornings... We, we remember not just the transcendence of God. We remember that God pursues after you. He initiates with all of us. He doesn't watch <clears throat> over us from a distance. But instead, like a good shepherd, he dwells with his people. John 1 says it this way. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the father full of grace and truth. God is always moving toward you. He constantly initiates with you. He is a hospitable God. And like the great hymn, softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. He's calling all sinners 
all of us to come home. And as I think about God's initiative with us and his hospitality, I can't help but think of the story of King David and Mephibosheth. In 2 Samuel 9, after King David ascends to the throne, he asks his servants if there's anyone left from the house of Saul that can show kindness toward that he can show kindness toward for Jonathan's sake. And the servants inform David that there's one remaining relative, Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth. And the servants told David that David was so excited. He said, go and get Mephibosheth and bring him to my house. And when he brings Mephibosheth to the palace, he sees that Mephibosheth is lame because when Jonathan died, the nurse, in haste, as they were carrying Mephibosheth out, dropped him. And he was lame in his feet. And yet, when he sees David, he falls on his face and pays homage to him. And I love what David says to him. He says, do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land of your Saul, your of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. King David extends grace to Mephibosheth and instead of banishing him from his kingdom, he restores him, giving him his father's land. And reserving a place at his table to eat with him all the days of his life. This is a beautiful picture of God. It is a beautiful picture of God's grace poured out to all of us. For just as David offered grace and hospitality to Mephibosheth, God invites us to come to the table and feast with him all the days of our life. Our God is loving and gracious. He longs for us to know him so much so that he gave up his own son so that we might be in relationship with him. I was talking with a friend of mine the other day, and we were talking about how in our friend group, all of us are were either struggling and having a lot going on or we were in a good season. But regardless, in our friend group, because we were so busy, it was like we had become silos. And we hadn't been able to care and love one another. And as I was pondering that, the reality is we're limited as people. But on Sunday mornings when we come to this place, we're reminded that we have a God that's unlimited. That has all resources. And we have a God who knows every one of you by name. And he loves you. And he wants to provide for you. And he wants to take care for you. He does not ever exist in a silo. His arms are always reaching out to us. Bringing us close to his chest. Scratching our backs. Loving us tenderly. The truth of the call to worship is that it reminds us of who God is. But the call to worship also not only reminds us of who God is, it reminds us of who we are. John mentioned in his sermon last week that at times 
we have either an overinflated view of ourselves or at times we have an underinflated view of ourselves. And in the car on the way to church, depending on how your kids are acting or how you're responding to your kids, you're interacting with your spouse or your friends, we can find ourselves vacillating between the two. But I love that the call to worship and the practice of that helps us to, to center ourselves and our identity and who we are, sons and daughters of God. In verse 7, David says, we are God's sheep. We might feel limited at times. And at other times, we might feel unlimited. We feel special at times. And other times, we feel worthless. We feel like we know who we are one day and the next, we're not quite sure. But the truth is, you and I, if we profess faith in Christ, we are God's beloved sons and daughters. We are the sheep in his pasture. We belong to him. So no matter how you feel when you arrive on Sunday morning, our hope is that the call to worship grounds us in our identity as God's beloved children of the king. Whose worth and value doesn't come through our performance, but rest in the perfect work of Jesus Christ. And so we see the call to worship helps us see the truth of who God is. Secondly, it helps us see the truth of who we are. And thirdly and lastly, it helps us see what our response to him should be. Tim Keller says, when the love of the immeasurable, great and transcendent God of the universe becomes real to us, the joy should be uncontainable. Look at verse 1 and 2. David says, let us all sing to the Lord. Let us all make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. Now, I love the fact that David, he added the joyful noise. I don't know if David could sing or not, but he understood that many of us, like myself, couldn't carry a tune. And he's saying it doesn't matter. Because God is transcendent, because God is intimate, because we are the sheep of his pasture, our response to him is to open our mouths and to sing praises to him, to shout out to him. And and let me pause here for a moment. Because we come from a Reformed Presbyterian tradition. And we Presbyterians are a little more stoic. And we're a little more intellectual. We're a little less emotional. And so sometimes because of that and because of our tradition, we kind of hold back when it comes to singing. We hold back when it comes to lifting our hands and praising God. I didn't see anybody dancing but i was up here but we don't dance often that that typically isn't the presbyterian way but it's god's way and thankfully we have some folks amongst us that aren't presbyterian that are charismatic and they can help lead us we need them to kind of go from row to row and lift our hands and help us sing a little bit louder i was watching the Carolina game last night. And we actually are 2-0, and which is amazing. 
We came back in the fourth quarter, and I didn't sit silently and cheer. I screamed and screamed so loud that Indy jumped up. Now, that's about a Carolina game, which ultimately doesn't affect anything, right? We get the opportunity to lift our voices, to shout, to sing praises to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And, and I think we have to, to look inside ourselves if we're not singing out and ask God, what's going on? Is it that we feel insecure about singing? Is it that we're really hurting? And if you are here and you're hurting and you can't bring yourself to sing, it's okay. Please hear me say that. It is okay. When I got my cancer diagnosis, it was a Wednesday. That evening, we had a prayer and praise service. I went, not because I wanted to, but because I knew that I needed to go and be with God's people. I couldn't sing a word that evening. But those people around me who were singing, it was like their voices ushered me into the presence of God. Just like the men dropped the lowered the paralytic to Jesus and he brought healing. If you're here and you don't feel like singing and your heart is hurting, that's okay. But the rest of us, our voices need to rise up and carry our brothers and sisters into the presence of the living God. Keller says, Tim Keller says, worshiping is not always quiet and decorous. It can entail shouting, praising, Leaping to our feet, singing our hearts out. John, as he preached on Psalm 150, I loved it. He was talking about, let's grab an instrument. Let's open our voices. Let's move our legs. Let's lift our hands. Who cares what other people think around us? We answer to an audience of one. And that audience is God, and He loves you unconditionally, and He longs to hear the praises of His people. And so, what is one response on a Sunday morning to call to worship, to seeing God's transcendence and seeing that we are the people of His pasture? Is to sing out and to adore Him. But David goes on to say a second response is to humble ourselves before Him. In verse 6, David says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. The word in the Hebrew for worship here is actually a verb. And it literally means to prostrate oneself before the Lord. David is saying with three verbs, we need to prostrate ourselves. We need to bow down. We need to kneel before the Lord, our maker. Submission is a result of seeing the God of grace, one who is our covenant God, who redeemed us and brought us a sheep into his field. In July, I did a staycation when I got Indy. And on that Sunday, I put her in her crate and I, I, I went to worship at um, Church of the Redeemer. I love when I'm here in the city to go to other churches and kind of enjoy being with other believers and as I was worshiping at Church of the Redeemer, I was kind of surprised. If you go into their sanctuary, it's beautiful, um, but the, the floor is concrete. 
And in the middle of the service, Alan, who is the pastor, uh, invited all who were able to kneel down on the concrete as part of just bowing down before him. And I thought to myself, I'm not going to kneel on that concrete. And there's probably nobody else is going to kneel. It's just going to be the young people. But I was so surprised because it was literally 99% of that congregation immediately went to their knees. And I just sat there and, and looked around. And I thought, what a beautiful picture. A visible demonstration of the humility that we don't always possess, but we want to get there. To humble ourselves before God. Our response to the transcendent, imminent God is to humble ourselves. To bow down before Him. And it's okay, again, in here, if you feel moved to bow at your seats. I was going to ask everybody to do that, but I'm not going to. We have carpet. And so it won't hurt as bad. But again, it's a visible way that our bodies can say to God, you are God. I am but a sheep. You love me and by your grace and your mercy, you have brought me into a relationship with him and I cannot do anything but fall on my face and bow before you. Our response to God transcendence and his eminence is adoration it's bowing our hearts our minds our emotions our bodies to him humbly submitting ourselves before him indy has come a long way over the last four months and if you look you'll see her in my recliner Sound asleep, totally exposed with her legs up. She is resting. And I believe she's resting because she's practiced. And she's practiced rituals in the house and outside. She's now being transformed into a little older puppy. Likewise for us, as we practice these elements each week, we are going to be transformed. And as we're transformed, we can rest. At the end of the psalm, it's interesting. David doesn't end with triumph. He ends with a warning. Because I think he knows what we sang earlier, that our hearts are prone to wander. And in our busy world today, it's easy on the Sabbath to go and do other things than to come and to worship. And to be called and to be reminded of who God is and who we are. And together to lift our voices. And so he asked us, don't harden your hearts like the Israelites did. But instead remain soft. And whether you're at a staycation or a vacation... Find a local body where you can go and worship. You will be blessed. God will meet you there. He's commanded us to do this, not in a way to punish us, but in a way that he knows if we enter into his presence, 
and we worship corporately, we literally are changed. And so our hope here as we walk through the different elements of our service over the next weeks is that you and I will grow in the understanding. And so instead of just thinking of this as a welcome on Sunday morning or grabbing donuts and coffee back there, which is wonderful, make our way in here because you don't want to miss the call to worship. Because in the call to worship, we're reminded who God is. We're reminded who we are and we have the opportunity to lift our voices. And so I hope we can sing so loud in here in the coming weeks and months. And we're so full of humility that Grimsley hears us, that the condos hear us, the houses behind us hear us, that the whole city hears that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. And that we so desperately long for them to fall in love with the Savior who captured our hearts. Amen.